Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's Tuesday. Oh, I got the wrong date. Today is November 21st, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Okay, today we're reading from the big book, From the Doctor's Opinion, our first day. Back on the Doctor's Opinion, and that stuff begins on page XXV. We're going to be reading, beginning with the first paragraph. We have Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're going to read through the entire letter, which ends on XXV. I, very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. Okay, today's readers for the 12 OA Steps is Wendy M., the 12 Traditions, Elaine T., and the readers of our text this morning will be Catherine M., Marie J., and, El- and Elaine T. Well, she'll be reading the uh, 12 Traditions. All right, I have two share IDs for us today, and that's a five-digit number, and that's one is for yesterday, which is November 20th, 2017, for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10,694. That's 10694. In this morning, Tuesday, November 21st, 2017, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 10,696, that's 10696, and our newcomer greeted this morning is Melanie C. Okay, our OA preamble over Eaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Wendy M. to please read OA's 12 steps. Uh, Yes, good morning. Wendy M. recovered in Boulder, Colorado. Janice, for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Wendy M. Okay, I will now ask Elaine T. to please read OA's 12 Traditions.
star one to unmute. Elaine T. Can you hear me now? I can, can you hear, hear you now? now, Elaine. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Elaine T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group conscience, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. And thank you so much, Elaine T., for being there. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Now, once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to resume our study and the doctor's opinion, and we're going to begin. The first read is going to begin on page XXB, the very first paragraph. We have Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're going to read through the next page, finishing the letter of very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. And I will now ask Catherine M. to please begin reading. Thank you. This is Catherine M. near Seattle, Washington, and I am a recovered compulsive of reader. The doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter, to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. 
these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance. Because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group, they may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, MD. So this is talking about Bill, of course, when he went into the hospital again in 1934. He'd been there a couple of times, and he'd finally heard the doctor telling Lois, you know, he's a goner. He he is one of these hopeless people. And this is a guy who'd been working for years in this National Inner Hospital for Alcoholics and seen person after person come in and die. And they just had no way of helping these people other than, you know, maybe making their last days comfortable. It was, you know, almost more hospice in a way, I guess, at that point. But when Bill came in for his third time, he'd had his talk with Ebby. He'd gotten the idea that maybe there was some power that could help him with this, some principles of the Oxford group that could actually help. Although after talking with Ebby, he still went out and drank a bunch and ended up in the hospital the third time. But one of the things that he got from Silkworth was the idea that there, there's the obsession of the mind that compels us to drink and the allergy of the body that condemns us to go mad or die. So he had that idea, but then, you know, when he, he kept uh, working with alcoholics in Towns Hospital, he still kept preaching at them. He still kept going for the same thing that had started with him, with Ebby, and he did that for a couple of months, and it still wasn't working. So... Silkworth had to remind him, you know, the the thing that he'd gotten from uh, the book, The Varieties of Spiritual Experience, that uh, transforming spiritual experiences are nearly always founded on calamity and collapse, that we have to be completely deflated before we can open up and enter into that, that kind of realm of the spirit. So Silkworth said, stop preaching at them, tell them the medical facts, tell them the hopelessness, soften them up. You have to get them to the point where they are so desperate, they are willing to do anything to get well, then you can go with the spiritual. And it was brilliant that he had that because then when he meets Dr. Bob months later, he has this advice. He's he's been trying with the spiritual, but he leads with the physical, he leads with the medical, and he's talking to a doctor, and Dr. Bob gets it. He spends, you know, hours. Bob said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll stay for an hour. He didn't really want to talk to Bill. But they, they talked for hours and hours. And it was at the end of that when Bob could really see that Bill knew exactly what he was talking about, that he was softened up, that he was ready for this. Because Bob had actually been going to the Oxford group for a couple of years, and, and those spiritual principles hadn't helped him either. He needed this piece. So when they started the book, what did they start with? They start with the doctor's opinion. They start with the hopelessness of the disease, the fact that, yeah, you, you know, you're going to die if you keep doing this. And for me, I definitely had to reach that point of realizing that even though it's food, even though it may not kill me as fast as alcohol, food will absolutely kill me. I get suicidally depressed when I eat sugar. Uh, I, I go insane. So I have to have this program to help me figure out the, the allergy and then find the spiritual experience. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Catherine M. Um, okay, we're going to open up the floor for sharing on this whole letter, XXV and XXVI. Who would like to comment at this time? Joni Marie B. Okay. I hear Joni something. What's your first initial, Joni? B is in boy. Okay, I hear Joni B. And whom else? Mm-hmm. John Marie K. K. John K. And a, a, a lady. Marie <laughs> J. Marie J. All right. We'll do Marie yes. J. Allie M. Who was that again? Allie M. Allie. 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 M. Allie B. Boy, I'm telling you, my ears. Something V. Shawnee. Shawnee. How do you spell that, Shawnee? S H A N I. Easy. Shawnee B. Okay, let's go with this group. All right, John. Joni B. is up. Hi, I'm Joni, a compulsive overeater from Southern California. And um, the sentence that um, stood out to me was, I personally know scores of cases who are of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. Um, I was, you know, very successful on diets 
for a while and they worked and I lost weight until they didn't work anymore. And, um, you know, I've lost hundreds of pounds in my life just to gain it back. And um, I'm another one who, before coming into program, I had had gastric bypass surgery, had lost 145 pounds and gained back 130 of it. Um, you know, even major surgery failed me. Um, you know, I, I had the surgery in end of September and by Thanksgiving I was eating pumpkin pie. Um, and so the fact that I have been a year and a half without sugar is a miracle. And, you know, my headspace is so different from, you know, any other air quotes diet that I'd been on, um, you know, my head was crazy and I would see somebody eating something and I just wanted to slap them and steal their food. Um, but the fact that today I'm able to have neutrality around food and I occasionally work catering jobs and, you know, carrying around trays of deep fried deliciousness um, and having it not be a problem and being in the kitchen where these things are being made and um, just being surrounded with food is not a problem for me today. And that's a miracle. And I'm so grateful with this holiday season approaching that I'm not going to have to worry about what other people are eating. And I'll be able to have my abstinent meals and, um, and maintain some level of sanity during this time of year that is like the Super Bowl for <laughs> compulsive overeaters. Um, and, and it used to be all about the food this time of year. But now it can be about making connections with my friends and and family and enjoying and, and being of service at these gatherings because I'm not going to be just sitting in the corner stuffing my face. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Joni B. All right. John Kay, it's your turn. Hey, uh, this is John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Good morning. Thank you, Team Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> I just want to talk big picture on this letter because this was so revolutionary in its time that a doctor was willing to say this was a disease, you know, and it was so revolutionary. Obviously, it, he wouldn't even put his name on it in the first edition, but it is so, uh, it is one of those seminal moments in in recovery and addiction and medicine that that he would do this. And the reason I bring it up is that uh, it helps me think about past his prologue. If this is what was found out, how much more is coming? Because, you know, in the book, uh, you know, it talks about how we used to be able to take or leave alcohol, but we passed an invisible line. Well, the scientists have actually found that. It's, a, it's an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, which burns out. The point being, this stuff was sort of, you know, apocryphal then, and science lags, but does catch up. The same thing with a lot of the people who in OA started said, you know, sugar and flour tends to be a problem. Well, they find out about serotonin. They find out about all these things. And the whole point is, I mean, scientists more and more with addiction, they look at brain scans and they see all this stuff. And it, it's not going to help my disease, but helps take away the moral component. This is a disease. I don't, I am not a bad person. I have a disease. Now I have to take my medicine, you know. I'm taking it right now by being on this meeting, and that to me is the key. And I think more and more will be found out every year. And there's, I don't think there'll ever be the magic pill. But then again, I don't want a magic pill anymore. I think when I first came here, I wanted that. And I, and I hear these other things for, you know, food addiction, I go, but you're missing the steps. The steps has so much more to give than just keeping the weight off. And that's, that's what I love about this program. And I just wanted to mention that I get more enthused every year because more is found out about our disease and how, you know, how it works. Um, and then with that, I just want to quick, two quick little things. We, we have 100 people, 100 visionaries signed up for the birthday party in L.A. If anybody's interested, 08birthday.com. And also, we're starting the 12 and 12 meeting tonight uh, for the uh, going through the AA 12 and 12. And if you go to the, either of the two Facebook pages for Vision, you can find out more. And with that, I pass. Okay. Thank you, John K. All right. Marie J., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. This is Marie J. from Colorado, recording Colorado and grateful. Um, this 
this doctor's opinion is so important and, and I'm kind of repeating a little bit of what John said, but this is a really big deal for a prominent physician to stick his neck out on the chopping block and say that alcoholism was something other than a shameful and demoralizing, uh, like a demonstration of a weak willpower. And that's how it was looked at. And, you know, until, until he spoke up, nobody looked at it as a disease. And what's, you know, captured in this letter is that the possible means of recovery for the alcoholic is to sit with another alcoholic and share his story. And again, a prominent physician saying that's the recovery. Are you kidding me? His reputation could have been, you know, irreparably damaged from something like that. But then he said, this will mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. Think this is go he's predicting that this is going to go down in history. You know, he was convinced that this was the key to recovery. And he was a medical man. He was a specialist. He had done this for years and years. And later in his second letter, he, he talks about he doesn't really understand how this works, but he understands that there's something having to do with a higher power, you know, and and it he he says that he knows without a doubt that this works. And it works in us too, us overeaters, us compulsive overeaters. It's the same thing. And we can't explain how it works. Here we are every day over and over on this line, sharing our experience, strength, and hope because this is keeping us recovered. How does that work? You know, we have to work the steps. We have to, we have to do all the deal. We've got to follow the book. We've got to follow the plan. But here we are every day sharing our experience, strength, and hope being with each other, sharing our recovery and sharing our history. And he says in, in this, this also that you can rely absolutely on what they say. You know, such credibility that he brought to the idea that this alcoholism and our, hence our um, compulsive overeating, same disease. And, and, and there is a solution. There's a way to recover. And thank God these are early pioneers, you know, Bill and Bob and Dr. Silkworth, you know, thank God they had the courage to capture this and to give it freely to us. And it's just my privilege every day to be able to carry this message forward to someone else and to be able to give it freely. You know, this has huge hope in it for every one of us. And I just feel so blessed and grateful. I really just feel so grateful to have this one day at a time and to have this call and to have a place where we can go. We're coming up upon a difficult time for a lot of people who are compulsive overeaters and haven't found the solution yet. And here we are right at the beginning of the holidays, starting this doctor's opinion and helping each other carry through. And those of us who have recovery can be on this line and say, it does work. It works. I am free. I am free from this disease one day at a time. And that's a, that's just a miracle. So anybody out there who's suffering, please, Give a call to some of our 800 of us registered on a vision for you, and I will pick up the phone on Thanksgiving. Thank you. I pass. Okay. Thank you, Marie J. All right. Ali M., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Thank you, everyone. I'm so glad that we're hearing the doctor's opinion. And, um, I'm sorry, this is Allie M., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Ellingham, Washington. And for me, this chapter is one of the first big places that it blows all of my preconceptions out of the water, and it starts doing it right away. So um, in the first paragraph, it says, um, convincing testimony must surely come from medical men. And I know that we, I'll speak for myself, I really like, facts and figures and proof, you know, anytime somebody says something that I'm skeptical about, I'm like, prove it. Where's your statistics? So um, I think a lot of us think that way these days because there's so much, um, we like statistics. So um, one thing that popped out at me that I've never really noticed in the same way this morning um, is down in that paragraph where it says um, specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction. 
So that was Dr. Silkworth. And we don't talk a lot about the drug addiction because it's not, you know, this book is, um, is you know, their, their story um, where they were alcoholics. But um, I looked up the definition of the word drug. And the first, very first definition I found says a medicine or other substance which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced into the body. So a physiological effect, that's, that's affecting our very cells, our very tissues when ingested, and it just says other substance. So I've come across a lot of people that don't understand this book or don't want to read or study the steps through this book uh, because it says alcoholics on it. And well, we're not alcoholics, but... Um, but it says, and drug addiction. And so Dr. Silkworth, you know, our great medical benefactor, he was the first guy with some proof and with some credibility to back this up. And it's telling us right here, you know, we're just, we're talking about addiction. And um, any substance can can do that. And we have lots of research out there now, but this is, you know, this is really cutting edge for this um, time. And I'll go as far as to say that, we now know that actual thoughts, you know, our thoughts actually have molecular weight and, you know, chemical structure. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, we haven't gotten to the obsession of the mind yet, but, um, but there's all, this is all very provable and physical, you know, that this is real for us. And um, I, I always thought of the physical part <clears throat> before I knew that I had this disease. I just thought about, um, that I wanted it. I didn't think about this food actually, um, you know, having this effect on my body. So that's what we're here to learn about. Thank you so, so much for letting me share. And I'll talk. And thank you so much for sharing, Ali M. All right. Shani B? Is that right? You got it. Yes. Thank you. Hi, thank this you. is Shani B. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, I'm so excited that we're at the doctor's opinion at this time of year. You know, um, I'm just reminded, I actually came into program um, a year ago yesterday, and I'm so grateful to have been abstinent for all that time and and working my recovery since that first day. And um, it was really important um, for me to have this doctor's opinion and, um, have all of you guys explain to me exactly what I was reading because, you know, I didn't understand about my disease. All I knew was that I, um, for, for years and years, I was dieting and gaining the weight back and I couldn't understand. You know, I was, it says here that Bill W. was a competent businessman of good earning and I was really competent in all areas of my life, but I just could not get this food thing together. And I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. I knew a lot about nutrition. I knew a lot about how I should be eating. But I didn't know why I couldn't stick with what I knew in my brain what I should be doing. And, you know, first of all, coming in here and hearing all of uh, you talk about how you've recovered and how there is a solution, that was mind-blowing because I really thought I was coming in for a support group. I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I came here. And I'm so grateful um, that, that what I found was a solution because I can just imagine what um, my life would be like today, one year later, if I would have just found a support group. And, um, you know, it says here, I was the type uh, w- with whom other methods failed completely. And I really thought that I had the solution before I came into these rooms. And I thought that I um, knew what was going to work for me for the rest of my life, but I was missing an essential piece of information that the doctor's opinion gives me, and that's that I have an allergy of the body. I, I knew that I knew that there was something with my mind that was keep that I kept on going towards food, but I didn't understand that when I ingested certain foods and or engaged in certain behaviors around food, that it was actually manifesting itself in a physical craving within my body to just keep on, on having more and more. And that was just a light bulb moment for me because I saw, I looked back on my experience and that made so much sense. That's exactly why I would sit there night after night and say, I'll only have one. And then when I started with one, it became two and three and four. And then I said, okay, only one more. And then it was six and seven and my stomach is hurting and I'm, I'm full of, and, and my brain is hurting from knowing what I'm doing to myself yet again, 
but physically not being able to stop, just going over and over and over. And I'm so grateful for the solution because I don't have to live like that anymore. I know that these foods need to be out of my system and these behaviors need to be completely out of my system before I can pick up the spiritual work that I need to do to combat the obsession of my mind, not to go back to the foods that I know are killing me. I'm so grateful for all of you on the line and that, um, that you've all shared your experience um, to help me be able to now share my experience. Thank you. I'll pass. Well, right on. Thank you, Shani B. Okay, just a, a reminder that we're reading from page XXV, The Doctor's Opinion. We have Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're reading the entire letter that continues on XXVI. And if someone would please just um, press star 1 to mute. Uh, they're probably not aware that they are not muted. Um, and who would like to speak next? Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Now we're going to raise the I heard Roz. I heard Roz G. And I heard Kathleen O. Oh, T B. Who is it? Is it Fiat? Who's after Kathleen O? Liat TB. Something CB, but that's okay. It was Liat TB, and this is oh, Sylvia. Yes. Liat, if I can get in there. It. Yeah, just a moment. Liat CB. I always goof on that. And you said Sylvia? Yes. All right. Sylvia F? Yes. That's it. Okay, let's go with those. I'm sorry. Every week, I'm sorry. All right. Sherry KB, you're up. Is that who you are? Sherry KB? Star one, no, I was going first. Okay. Hi, this is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovery Compulsive Overeater. Uh, thank you so much for your service, Janice, and everybody on the line, and welcome to newcomers, and welcome to the doctor's opinion. Um, this is an amazing read because this is the beginning of what really is step one, um, and this is the beginning of reading a text about my disease and helping me to understand my disease, um, if you're a compulsive reader like me. Um, and here it is. It's plain to see here that it talks. The first thing it says in this paragraph is that the plan of recovery described in this book. So what it's telling me is that if I read this book and I study it, I'm going to find out that I can recover from this disease. I can become recovered, not cured, but recovered. Um, and that I love what somebody had mentioned earlier. Well, I'll, go, I'll just keep going. It says that the sufferings of our members have witnessed our return to health. Um, I don't know about you, but I suffered with this disease way too long, longer than I should have. But I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I couldn't see what I couldn't see. I didn't know I had a twofold illness and a mental obsession of the mind and a mental twist and a mental blank spot um, that, you know, I, I, wasn't, I didn't know that it was, wasn't my fault. Um, it wasn't my fault. But now that I have this information that I have a twofold illness and a mental obsession and a physical allergy of the body, um, it is now my, I need to take care of this. And by taking care of it means studying this book, getting into the work, doing the steps, putting the food down, putting the alcoholic food down. Um, and that, you know, when I, I was reading this book, I thought, well, this this is for alcoholics. This isn't for compulsive readers. But it does say alcohol and drug addiction. And, um, you know, I was told that the way I treated certain foods was the way a drug addict did their drugs. And uh, that was definitely the truth. Um, also, you know, I was hopeless, and this next paragraph talks about regarding as hopeless, and I was hopeless. I, I, you know, I was so hopeless that I ran out of ideas, and I didn't know what else I could do. So I was like saying uncle and surrendering and finally being told for years and years, Sherry, you need to read this book. You need to get into the steps this way and do it this way. And, you know, I finally gave in, and it was like the best thing I did. Um, and it's telling us that we can recover from this disease, Um and that, you know, that the way we did it was failing, for me, it was failing me completely. And that I love that it says there's a remedy for thousands and that you can absolutely re rely on what these people say. And also what jumped out at me this morning, <clears throat> and I've read this a lot of times, was it said, 
of extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth. And, you know, we just read in the forward editions about the amazing rapid growth that has happened in this program as well. Um, and that is what is amazing to me. And here is a man who refused to put his name in the book at first until Harry Tebow came out about 1941 with a paper that said that alcoholism, excuse me, <clears throat> was a disease. And that's right when uh, Dr. Silkworth agreed to put his name in the book. And I'm so grateful he did. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sherry KB. Okay, Roz G., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Roz G. from Lancaster, California, high desert. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater outside in my backyard, tending to my garden. And I was thinking that I had, as a, when I before a program, I lived in a life of fantasy. I'm sorry, and Roz. Roz, you, you're a little gobbled. I don't know if you're in a bad position or if you want to call back and I'll call on you. That's what can I, I try again? Maybe I'm you in the should. wrong spot. Yeah, you can try it's better. Again. Okay. Anyway, no. I was just saying. Oh. Now you're still gobbled. I'm terribly sorry. Why don't okay. you just uh, wait? Call back in, and I'll, uh, I'm going to put your name down. Hope that I can get a hold of you. All right, Raj G. Okay, friend. Thank you. Just, okay, thank you so much. Okay. All right, Kathleeno. Kathleeno, please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. This is Kathleeno, recovered compulsive reader in California. And, you know, this must have been huge back in the 30s to have <clears throat> to have a, a doctor who, who, you know, had been specializing in the treatment of alcoholism <clears throat> to, give a, to give his um, blessing on this book and, this, and, and, you know, how this works. And I'm so happy we're doing this right before the holidays. Um, you know, the holidays for me used to just be absolute torture. And when I, you know, I was one of those people that, that gained weight and lost weight and gained weight and lost weight and couldn't really figure out what the heck was wrong with me. And, um, and even when I came into 12-step recovery, you know, there was a lot of talk about tools and that helped me get abstinent and stay abstinent for a while. But it wasn't until I came into vision and started, you know, really being able to understand this book through these meetings. And what a relief. I mean, you know, here we have, um, you know, we of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical es estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. And the we of alcoholics, you know, this is about having a higher power. It's about, um, and it's about a fellowship. And, you know, for the, the reason, um, you know, Bob, Dr. Bob did have um, spiritual teachings when he was with the, the Oxford group. But it wasn't until he met Bill, it was like, you know, Bill said it was one drunk to another, one alcoholic to another. Um, it's, it's the fact that we can relate to each other and then pass on this information. And to find out, as we're going to learn, that, you know, we, it is a disease. It's not something that um, there's not, you know, mentally something wrong with us. Physically, we have an allergy of the body when it comes to certain foods and that there is a solution for this. And, uh, you know, if... If you're new to the line and you can't stop from eating once you start, if you've dieted and lost weight and can't stay stopped and you gain your weight back, I mean, I did that dozens of times. If you feel desperate and doomed, stay on these lines. You're going you're gonna to get the answers to this. There is a solution. You know, we have a message of hope, and um, it is simple, but it's very powerful. And um, thank you. I pass. And thank you so much, Kathleen O. Okay, I think um, I'm going to ask for Roz G. Are you back, Roz? Not yet. Okay, Liat TD, please, it's your turn. Yes, good morning, everybody. Thank you for the people that are serving in this meeting. Um, and, you know, Dr. Silforth, suffered from the Great Depression, you know, he was, he was broke, <laughs> and he accepted a job at this um, hospital that was specialized in, the, in uh, alcoholism and, and drug addiction, and so I, when I read that, I can see the baffling experience that he had, you know, being a physician, being plotted in a place of tragedy, you know, with people that 
of suffering, intelligent people, you know, successful people, educated people, and are suffering from an illness which just puts them in bondage and makes them do things and harm people around them. I can see and I can read his his bafflement, his sense of I don't really. I, I don't even know. I tried everything, and I, I, didn't, I don't know what to do with these people, you know. And then, you know, through God, you know, the message that Gil, Bill got, you know, that today is, saved my life, you know. And I, for, I, I'm coming up on 30 years in, in, in oh, Overeaters Anonymous, and for the first 12 years, I was just getting more and more sick and more and more miserable in the room. And then, you know, God, you know, relieved me from the food. But I still was sick in my head. And only about almost five years ago that I was shown the solution in the big book. But I was shown by alcoholics. And but I could get it. I got it. And I, you know, and then less than a year ago, I was, you know, referred to a vision and it was like wow i found my family compulsive eaters who are working finding the solution to the big book and so for me this is a vision for you is a new ethic and i was in in um the conference you know older eaters anonymous world conference there were about 900 attendees in the conference of a vision for you there were eight eight hundred i think and 70 and when somebody harlan asked for Anyone who is recovered in the room to stand up, there was about half of the audience that stood up. And I witnessed with my own eyes people who have recovered from compulsive overeating. And it was a miracle. And I know it happened to me. And I was one of those people who stood up because I know it's true. It really does happen. And if you're suffering, just really abandon yourself to this. This is a new epic. And I believe that this will be, you know, something that will create a true recovery to many, many compulsive readers in the future. I love you all. Thank you all, Pat. And thank you so much, Leah TD, and thank you for your patience and understanding with me. Okay, I don't know if Roz G is back. Is she uh Roz, are you here? Hi, it's Roz. Is that better? Oh, my goodness, it is. It's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let me <laughs> take that off. Okay. I was just saying that I lived in a world of fantasy, and I've heard in programs that um, uh, thoughts without action is fantasy, and that um, I was, um, I'm, a, I'm an avid um, amateur gardener, and I, and I used to grow all these vegetables. I still do, but I'm talking about before recovery. So when I grew my vegetables or went to the store and got vegetables, I had this fantasy that I'd be eating all these vegetables, and uh, I'd, I'd get in shape. And the vegetables would go bad, and I'd find myself at the store buying, you know, Twinkies and donuts and chips, Doritos, and I'd eat those all up, and then the vegetables would be rot rotting in the refrigerator. And I I um I didn't understand that I had an addiction, and that my my the, that I had a biological um, uh, impulse to go out and get my addictive foods and leave the vegetables that I spent so much time, hard work, and water to, to take care of to rot. And uh, today I have a beautiful vegetable garden. I have a fall garden going, and I every day I pick something out of it and I eat it. <laughs> because I'm not a uh, – today I have a daily reprieve. I'm recovered today, and I don't have the desire to eat the junk. I have the desire um, to stay abstinent, to care for other people, to have – um, good relationships with others, and to understand my disease. And thank, thank you to Dr. Silkworth and to this, this doctor's opinion and to the people who have explained it to me through sponsorship and on these lines. I understand what I have. I know what I am. And with that, I pass. And thank you for your patience with me, Fran, and my phone problems. Have a great day. And thank you so much. Okay, Sylvia F., it's your turn. Uh, one to unmute. Sylvia? 
Sorry. Uh, this is Sylvia F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California, Northern California. And so nice to be on the line with everyone this morning. And um, just to go back over that beginning paragraph, it says, you know, that there's a plan of recovery described in this book. And that plan of recovery is very specifically these 12 steps. And so, you know, if you're just coming in and this sounds all complicated, um, it isn't complicated. It's simple. It's not necessarily easy all the time, but it's very straightforward. And they use a lot of language in this, in, in the big book that I love. And it says, convincing testimony must, you know, very directive language surely come from medical men who have experienced the suffering of our members and have witnessed. What have they witnessed? Our return to health. And we're talking about, you know, physical health and um, spiritual mental health. And um, and so down in the in the letter, it talks about this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered, and that's why I say I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless uh, uh, state of mind and, and body. And when we're talking about um, uh, we're talking about a twofold illness, and we're going to go over that in great depth in the in the days to come with the doctor's opinion. But I have to put the plug in the jug. I have, to, uh, I have to put down my alcoholic foods just like an alcoholic has to put down liquor. There's no difference there for me. And then I have to work the steps because my, I have an alcoholic mind. And so here we are coming on to the holidays. And uh, the book is going to tell us over and over and over that abstinence by itself is not enough. Abstinence is simply the beginning and it's the steps that will get us recovered and so when you know i think that for me the reason that the holidays are so difficult is not because of the food it's because of all the people that aren't doing what i want or how i want and and it's not even that i'm directed i could be like so anxious about them having a good time which is me still being selfish and self-centered i what do i want i want to make sure that everybody's happy so i feel good so um so that the holidays are difficult. And, and, you know, I used to think it was because of the food, but it's only difficult because the food is my medication so I don't have to feel what I'm feeling. And so that's where the steps come in. And so um, we heard on the line uh, over the last couple of times that people are reminding us that it's not what we can get out of an occasion. What can we bring to it? So it's not that I'm going to go get food out of the occasion. It's not that I'm going to feel more loved out of the occasion. It's like, what can I bring to it? And that makes the holidays much easier. Why? Because um, I'm an alcoholic with food. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Sylvia F. Okay, we can take one more comment on this. Who would like, who would like to do that? Uh, Wendy M. All right, let's do Wendy M. Thank you for stepping up. Wendy M., please go ahead. Yes, good morning, Janice. Thanks for your service, Wendy M. Recovered in Boulder, Colorado, and thank you, God, for the abstinence I have this morning. Um, And I love what I just heard. Thank you, God, for the shares. So um, first thing is out of ideas. Um, That's what I focus on with sponsees when we're reading this. And... um, out of ideas, well, actually, the word is hopeless. I've come to regard it so, as hopeless. And when I was first studying this book a couple of years ago with vision, I heard that that means I'm out of ideas. And that's a very good place to be. Um, and if you are new or you are having a really rough ride and you're on this line right now, it, it helps to be completely desperate. It helps to be completely hopeless, out of ideas. That means that I'm done. I'm done with the tummy tuck. I'm done with the liquid diet. I'm done with running the show. I'm done with being the author of my food. I am done. I am licked. I am, you know, on that floor. I'm just in that, um, you know, on my knees and saying to my sponsor, I'm going to go to any length. Just tell me what to do. Give this to me. Um, And so I often, when I'm talking to a prospect, I'll say, are you done? Are you hopeless? Are you out of ideas? Um, And if they're not and they need to go out some more, go out some more. 
I was out, I was in OA sponsoring people speaking at, at you know, events um, and in the sugar, but thinking I was abstinent. I was still into ideas. I was still running the Wendy program. I was not running, I was not doing this program. Um, and the gratitude I have for being completely hopeless, completely out of ideas, I'm so grateful for that desperation. Um, and I hope people out there are desperate and are out of ideas because this program works, works, works. And then just the piece about the, the medical estimate, you know, the, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. Oh, my God. I read this book for 16 years. I didn't know that this, that's what it said. I didn't think I read this book. Um, so anyways, the, the freedom that I get, right, um, that this information gives me, the freedom. Oh, my God. That means that I'm if I'm entirely abstinent. I can I can address this you know physical allergy obsession of the mind, um, and knowing that gives me that freedom. Knowing this information and then living it by being entirely abstinent, living this this program. It is a program of action, not thinking. It's not enough to understand that I have this obsession of the mind, this physical allergy it's enough to say I'm entirely abstinent. And, you know, it says that in a few more pages. Um, and that entire abstinence piece is the difference between OA for me for 14, 15 years and OA these last two years. It's a diff for me, a different program and unbelievable leaps and bounds of recovery, not just the physical recovery, but also how I'm going to treat people this Thursday, um, as, it, as it's been said. I am free from people, places, and things, and Thanksgiving. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Wendy M., for wrapping us up. <clears throat> okay, the share ID for this morning, Tuesday, it's, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, November 21st, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10,696. That's 10696. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And so now I'm going to ask, please, Marie J. to please read the, a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Okay, read our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, thanks, Janice. This is Marie J., and I'm recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>